Hello everyone, welcome back to the Playa Provides podcast where we tell stories about Playa Magic and how to live a 10 principle lifestyle. Today I have the pleasure to interview my friend Damian Engblom, manager of the Mayan Warrior Camp, amazing DJ and national treasure. We jumped into this conversation without a script, just hoping to catch up and discuss uh, some of our Burning Man stories, and it ended up being a lot more than that. So without further ado, please enjoy this uh, deep and loving conversation with Damian Emblom. Hello everyone, this is Jorge Madden. Uh, we are back after a very crazy pause <laughs> that you all felt uh, for the last couple of years. Um, this last Burning Man has been one of the toughest I've ever been through, uh, but also comes with some of the nicest insights and uh, greatest lessons that I could have ever imagined. So I'm again feeling that powerful rocket packed in my back. We're ready to continue this player provides journey and my first guest for this exciting uh, new season of the podcast is my good friend Damien who I mean I consider him a, a good friend like I love him a lot even if we have not really hang out that much yeah. but I feel that we have so many things in common and you know we we met actually in Miami uh, in 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 Terrace of Space Miami We had the greatest party together. Our friend Fernandisco from San Francisco and from Campo Santo, one of my OG camps, and made the introduction. And then we just like stuck together all morning and just, you know, we were vibing out of each other's energy and it was amazing. And, uh, you know, since then I have been following your trajectory and, you know, I mean... You, you can tell a little bit more about yourself, but when I ask you, you know, what do you do for work? You tell me, oh, I'm a professional rowing coach. I was like, what? Like, I don't know <laughs> anybody that does that. And and I have actually looked you up and just like, you are like a legit, like full on <laughs> professional, like, like college, but like the biggest, I mean, like, I don't know how you would describe it, but that is, it is like do you want just to do a little intro of, of who, who you are and what you're about so that people can sure sure uh i mean my my background career-wise specifically in coaching men's rowing and being a recruiting coordinator for some large universities you know i worked for uc san diego worked for oregon state university worked for university of pennsylvania um and then back to uc san diego um before that was coaching high school teams and uh always had a lot of success wherever I went and all along the way was retained my own athletic endeavors uh, the the whole time, you know, choosing different sports to get involved with choosing different competitions or, and, or athletic events to keep me motivated and continue to, to, you know, walk the walk as I talk the talk in in a coaching role to all these young athletes. I, 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 it's not a part of my plan to be, to ever be sort of looked at as someone who is an instructor or a teacher, a mentor, a coach, but yet no longer does things myself. I find a very powerful 
learning opportunity and putting myself in the shoes of an athlete, especially learning something new, right? Because now I'm in the same setting that essentially they're in. I'm sitting or sitting, standing, whatever, and I'm here. I'm, I'm at. I'm in the the class for jujitsu, for example, or I'm at whatever it is, and I have to learn. I have to be attentive, and I get to remember and be reminded about what's appropriate to ask of my athletes, how to speak to people in that role, uh, and and how to learn how, what they're going through, right? So it's so I think a lot of of coaches I've been around and people sort of make a step into a transition into the role of now instructor. And as time goes by, a gap widens further and further and further. They may be doing sports and training and be in good shape, but they've stepped away from being in that role of, of, of being instructed, of, of having to learn and remember what it's like, especially if you're teaching someone for the first time who's never done the sport of say rowing, for example. Okay. Well, it's not appropriate to overwhelm somebody or try to impress somebody with how much information you may know about the sport. You've got to open up those channels of telepathy, empathy, to be able to feel that person's vibe, where they're at, and start learning right away how you're going to communicate best to them, where, how you, what they need to know, what's the most appropriate, efficient, effective way to get them going on this path that they've communicated to you they want to embark on, which in my case would be learning how to be a competitive rower. And in that way, I can give them appropriate instruction to, to get them furthest along in the time that we have available. Wow. So that's, that's, that's like one aspect of rowing in my lifestyle that I, that I embrace. Uh, my, the general theme of my intention in this experience with this life is to be in a, the simplest way I can put it is be in a good mood all the time. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So whatever that means, whatever word I may define my mood, happy, loving, accepting, wise, non-judgmental, it doesn't really matter. But if I'm feeling good uh, and, and then that vibe, because we're always sharing a frequency, right? We're always expressing a vibration. And that's, that's shaped in our awareness through mood, how we feel. And then if you're not careful, your brain will get in the way and start to make stories for you a narrative for you on why you may feel a certain way might be true. might be not. It's just, like I said earlier, whatever you practice, you get good at. And a lot of, of cultures, especially Western cultures have, have had models where we begin a practice of training our supercomputer brain to rationalize, make up stories, define any way we feel. Like we have to have words to explain it, which sometimes is very misleading. Um, so I know that I can't always be in a good mood because I've, I'm a human being and I've got the whole palette, the whole spectrum of, of emotions that I'm going to feel, you know, and when I'm, when I'm not feeling great, uh, I do intentionally let, you know, with meditation practices gets easier. I don't let my brain start to try to tell me why I'm not feeling good. I feel my feels and then I run what I call is the hierarchy of well-being. If I'm not feeling good, it's enough water, enough food, enough rest, play or movement, body, dance, something happy that I do with my body, exercise and love, which this is an example right now, a connection, a genuine connection with another human being that's, that's sharing. That's an example of sharing love. So if those are all in balance, I'm, I'm feeling good. If any one of those things are out of balance or usually a combination of those things, well, I might be irritable and irritability leads to the brain wanting to define who knows why? Usually it's because I'm tired. <laughs> I haven't slept enough. Maybe I haven't had enough water, had enough food. 
uh, most of my life is always an abundance of of love and play. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe, but maybe sometimes yeah. you've been working a little bit too much. You need to. But then you <laughs> gotta have rest, water, food. You know. <laughs> but that's that's so that's so I play I play what I call the love game, and you know my whole my whole intention is to practice moving from if I'm not feeling good back to a, a good feeling vibration, so that then I can be sharing that with with everybody, whoever the whole shared experience that we all have together. Wow. <laughs> Like you see, like we haven't even talked about Burning Man. That was already like probably one of the nicest conversations I've had, only because I wanted to connect with you because I said I wanted to talk about something about Burning Man. But yeah, I am just blown away. Like, like I will listen to this back and forth, and I'm gonna take notes and I'm gonna make posters about all these things we've done because I <laughs> I share I, I share so many of these things that you have explained and I've been thinking about it so much lately, you know, about our vibration, about our positive the, the, like the extreme power of positive thinking and, and feeling that positive mood and not just on us, but like like the power we have on affecting other people. You know, it's like you just walk by someone on the street, you just share a smile and say like, hey, hey, what's up? Good morning. Or just like give them a, a nice compliment. Or when you walk in the store, you have like a nice interaction with someone. You say like, listen, this was a very nice interaction that I had today with you. Like you are a great salesman. You're really good at your job. Thank you so much. Like I've been just doing those little things that for us are like, like they're free, they're easy. And they are, especially if they're heartfelt, you know, like they make a big impact on that person. Then yeah. we are, we're elevating their vibration. They're going to continue yes. on their day. They're going to have a bigger mood and they're going to run into someone. They're going to tell someone nice to that person because they're in a nice mood. And, and then that's going to be a great day for everyone around us. So, yeah. Yeah. The things we set in motion uh, that manifest as behaviors that we do or other people do, like, in, for instance, if I am this, I agree, like, I, I look for people that in particular maybe aren't vibing so high. I don't need to know the reason. I don't need to ask them, oh, why are you down? You look down. I just, give them some sort of a compliment and that's a behavior that then whether they want to or not that's going to elevate their vibration right and then that will set in motion the prop they're going to continue to do they'll do a version of that along their way for someone else and so on and so forth and uh yeah and that, that, that's also something that you know like it's it's part of um i, I guess it's one of the things that i've been learning lately too part of the toxic masculinity trade is to try to help people when actually people don't really need to be helped. And when you see someone who's actually like feeling down or kind of struggling, whatever, they maybe don't need your help for with whatever they're, it's messing with them. Like they actually can actually just benefit from you being like a higher vibration and, a, and, a, and like a fucking good vibe around them and cheering them up, bringing them some music. It's like, hey, like, you know what? Like, I know about this new taco place. You need to come try this with me. Like, yeah. like let's go, you, you know? You're feeling bad while we eat tacos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> silly. It's the, silly, it's the silly stuff, but it works. It works so powerful. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up. Like, there are a lot of these uh, behaviors that have been modeled to us, you know, rules of ways to be, that are toxic and then they fall under say a masculine guideline. Right. And one of those is like to be a fixer and that's obviously can be very helpful, but again, whatever you practice, you get good at. And I've definitely run into conflicts in, in relationships that I've had, whether romantic partnerships or job relationships where someone is expressing a, an issue, a problem to me that they want me to listen to. 
And I, my assumption is that they want me to solve it for them, solve it, dissolve it, help them move past whatever they're, but most of the time they just need to have somebody have, have some space for them and, and listen to them. Um, because the problem that whatever our issues are, they're all ours. They're it's that person's, you know, responsibility to do whatever behavior they may need to do to solve this conflict or move out of that sort of low vibrational space that they're in. And like I, like I mentioned, the brain, like they're probably telling themselves some story in their head, which is attached to, or they, what they think is attached to, maybe even they think is the reason why they don't feel good. And so like a lot of times when we're, we're not feeling good, like for me, I'll intention, I intentionally get myself not feeling good. We call it hungover, right? So like, I don't drink alcohol, but <laughs> I do other things at festivals. I stay up late at night, listen to music. And again, abundance of love and, and play and dancing and, and communicating and connecting. But then when I finally sleep and then I wake up again, I'm irritable, man. And then <laughs> game on. All right. Okay. Well, let's start with water and so on and so forth. But a lot of people don't aren't there yet. They don't have a, a necessarily a, a ritualized process, a structured system, if you will, to, to shift, help shift themselves to a better mood. They just start listening to their head. And so that's when other reasons creep in. And when I intentionally put myself in these very vulnerable states, it's not, it's not necessarily weak, but fragile, vulnerable. Uh, I, I'm reminded of traumas in the past because my brain will be like, well, you don't feel good because you're thinking about this time somebody did something bad to you or something didn't ha bad happened to you. No, that's my note. That happened. It's not happening now, but because I don't feel good, I'm now vulnerable to the awareness that, oh, I guess I'm still dealing with that. Right. Yeah. That trauma and on the out. So that's internal and externally. Uh, I'm at a place where I'm I'm too irritated to deal with other people's bullshit behaviors that maybe normally I could tolerate. Here's a good example. This is sort of a harmless one. Someone will ask me a question uh, about something that I'm interested in and they want to hear what I have to say. But instead of letting me answer the question and letting it resonate with them, they just start jumping to conclusions or just they just want to like talk or I don't know. So. A lot of times you'll, if you, you may notice me to do this to someone uh, and in a loving way, I'll just have to stop and be like, it's obvious you don't want to listen to the answer that you asked me for. And I cannot do this with you right now. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have, I have more, more pressing issues right now. Than yeah. Like I got to drink some water. <laughs> or whatever. What but that? Yeah. That that's uh and, you know, and so, and a part, and part of like, in the, as far as the toxic masculinity, a lot of those guidelines that we were modeled with data do doing what I do is not allowed. Like I'd be called not a man or something else, which again, I'm a human being, whether I have genitals that define me as a male or female, does it matter? Uh, and I don't need to adhere to any set of guidelines that come from someone else's model of what a male is supposed to behave like. Uh, yeah, but we, we definitely there's there's still a long way to break all those um you know cliches and all that because it's 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 sad but it's true it's it's still out there you know it's it's very recent like this this collective awareness where we're starting to discuss these things openly it's extremely recent like it's been a long long time too many generations just like under this struggle so it's gonna take yeah. a while but listen i think this is a, a good little start for it Oh, yeah. And 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 also, I, I just want to bring up something connected. I mean, it's it's the perfect segue from these little things that you were, were discussing. Uh, we've been talking about your 
um, professional history as a, a rowing coach and um you know we've we just heard you say these wonderful things that already are like the best cb for any coach that i would ever wish to have like to have such a connected amazing human but let's talk about the real deal like who is damian uh, i know that he does this rowing thing for money for work whatever but i know that you're a dj yeah oh yeah so and, and 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 I know that Burning Man community, Burning Man culture, Mayan warrior, who's like a camp that you're very deeply involved with, is a it's a massive part of your life in the last couple of years. So do you want to tell us like how you come into music and what your DJ deal is and what what is Damien for real? If he had not if if he did not need to worry about money. What would Damien be doing 100% of the time? Yeah, well, luckily I've been practicing that for the last, you know, going on two years. I took a break from coaching rowing uh, a, a May a year ago, you know, and leading up to that break that I took, I had, so we'll go, we'll go back, you know, oh, since a small person, I, I was lucky to have my parents, amazing parents and people around me in our community that exposed me to beautiful music. You know, my, my dad and my mom, um, they love, they're all, they were into jazz, rhythm and blues, symphony orchestra, all, all kinds of structures of, of music, you know, rock and roll, classic rock and such. And then when I started picking and choosing what I want to listen to, I went through tons of stuff. When I first heard called techno music, I was very, I was like, this is amazing. Um, but back then in the circles I was in and, and people I was surrounded by, like techno electronic music wasn't cool. Like you weren't, that was not what you were supposed to listen to. So there were some breaks and then I came back to it and, and um, a lot of time went by. And then in 2017, I had been coaching in Oregon State for a couple of years at that time, living in, in Oregon. And I got an opportunity to, I've been wanting to go to Burning Man. I turned down a couple of opportunities in the past, but knew I wanted to go. And a friend of mine posted on his Facebook site, anybody want to manage Mayan warrior camp this year? Which I thought was kind of an interesting public question to put out there. And, and this is a friend who I went to college with and we actually were on the rowing team together. And I hadn't spoken to him, I think in 15 years. And I commented on his thread. I was like, I'd love to, you know? And he, he private messaged me and said, okay, well, let's have a phone call. So we had a phone call and he's, and he's like, great. Yeah, you're good. You got it. You're going to do it. It's like, okay, cool. I don't know what the, that means at all. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was like, okay, I know that one of the ethos of Burning Man is you support yourself. I was like, cool. You know, even though I knew I was going to be working, I, I figured I'd be buying my own ticket and providing some infrastructure. But, but, but did you, did you know what Mayan war was at all by then? No, so not at all. So yes, yeah, so it, it, it sounds cool. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> man. great. You know? And I kind of been loose, had been loosely following my friend's activity and I knew he was pretty active in Burning Man. But again, like I didn't, I didn't know how, why, what, or what was going on. Um, and during that conversation, he was, he, he was, he also mentioned, so, Oh, have you heard of the Oregon Eclipse Festival? And I said, yeah, of course. I said, well, we got an installation there too. You want to do that too? I was like, yeah. And I asked him, so how much do I need to, pay for this. And he's like, dude, you're working, you know, pay shit. Like, <laughs> so I did, uh, so that, that summer was a huge like festival summer for me. I, I did, uh, 
Oregon Country Fair and then Oregon Eclipse Festival and then straight to Burning Man. And, you know, I was camp manager and I got dropped in, saw what was around, got got into it and started going. And, and for me, that first burn, it was it was a very it was nice because that was a grounding experience. Right. It helped keep me grounded and focused. And uh, and, I, you know, some people, say, how did you do that? And I was like, well, just don't get as high as everybody else and you can figure shit out that they can't figure out, <laughs> which was not a problem for me, you know. Um, well, especially because you're so motivated, you know, like, it, I mean, it's a pretty badass project. If you're, if you're so motivated, you know, you have all that responsibility and you want to do nice stuff for people. It's actually, I mean, but what, what was, what was it like your, like, what was your date today there? Or, or what, what did you think was like, what, what, how would you describe your main tasks are? Because there's like a super global title to be the manager of this huge camp. Right. And it's not, it's, and it's, it makes it appear like as if I was the sole source of, of fixing people's problems and things. And that, that's not the case at all. I, I got to, I guess, carry around the title of manager of my work camp. Um, but the, you know, the day to day was making sure that United was their trucks were coming when they were supposed to, and they almost never do uh, to pump out the gray water and the black water, for the kitchens and bathrooms so that those could stay running and make sure we had fresh water and, you know, troubleshoot problem solve. If generators were going out, if we had electrical issues, uh, when people were arriving, help them figure out where they're supposed to go, where everything is, get them set up, park their, help them get their RV parked or where their shift pod or whatever it is. Um, and, and then just, just solving little problems. Like if I was around and you asked me if you, something I would try to help you to a point like I'm that I practice it too much. I'm too good at it. I'm helplessly helpful. And so eventually I have to start setting up healthy boundaries. I'm like, listen, don't ask me until you are stumped and you've asked everybody else. Cause, cause I already have 12 things and that's a new one. And you're asking me to put it at the top of the list. It's not really fair. It's not, that's not, that's not being considered of the position that I'm in. And in, in my first burn, I didn't, wasn't even aware of that. I just, tried to do everything all the time. Um, and I loved it. It was super fun. I've no, no regrets at all. Uh, but that, that was, and I didn't really know how I did until afterwards and people saying great things about me and such. And then I took a job at university of Pennsylvania, uh, um, the Ivy league school in Philadelphia. And I wasn't able to go to 2018 because their season started earlier than Oregon states. So I didn't go 2018 and then I worked there for a year. There was a head coach change and I decided not to stick around. I didn't want to be there again with the new head coach. Uh, and I also was really feeling the need to take a break from rowing was, had already been there and it was growing and growing and growing. So I was like, great, come back. And two weeks before the burn, I was like, I'm going to Bernie man. Uh, mine warrior was full. They were, I, I checked in, but no, no, no big deal. And, but that was great because it allowed me to camp sort of on my own with a smaller group of people and not have any major responsibilities that I was tied to. So 2019 was super fun. It was definitely more my burn. Um, and then I went to Renegade Burn last year. And then I, and I, and I went to, to the burn this year with, with Mayan Warrior with a lot of lead out time and knew what I was going to be doing. And I went in for Build Week this time as well. But anyway, back, if you if we go back before... I took a break from my coaching career. I, the second time I coached UC San Diego, which is the most recent time, 
I went down there and I have a good community of, of, of friends that are younger made up of guys and some girls that I coached when they were in high school or in college and rowing. And I had no idea at the time I was coaching them into my future best friends. And they're, <laughs> they're amazing human beings. They don't, they don't, they literally don't carry that list of toxic male behavior that they think they need to do. They're open, they're loving, they're, they're, they, their touch is okay. Like everything is, you know, intimacy is not sexuality and intimacy is, is okay. Like they, that group of people understands uh, stuff that my generation, I will say was, was taught was basically not allowed. Um, you know, open crying and such like, that's another interesting thing. Like, you know, we're taught as men, you're not allowed to cry, but if you train yourself not to cry, you can't feel overwhelming elation and joy and happiness. And you don't get a process and really feel the sadness and, and, and things well. So you've cut off your human experience at two ends, which basically makes you a fucking robot. So, uh, so anyway, I was with them and they were, they played, they're all into music. A lot of them are DJs. They have their own small equipment and I was hanging out with them more and more. And there was a moment where a friend of mine, you know, he was like, I, I think I mentioned, like, I kind of, I kind of feel like I want to learn how to use this instrument, the mixing. <laughs> yeah. When you're, when you're, when all your friends are doing it and you just stick around, it's like, yeah. And a lot of time. it looks, and this, I've, I, I encounter this as well now that I, I know how to use the machine, but it looks before you know how to, to use the, uh, a mixer, it, it looks it looks overwhelming. It looks like how, what, I don't know how they're making the sounds they're making, but it's amazing. Right. And then you get into it. It's like, Oh, it's actually very easy. It's, it's difficult to, to get very elaborate with what you're doing, but the actual handling of the mixing and transitioning from track to track is not hard. It doesn't take very much practice. There's like five things you need to do. But so he says, I said, yeah, maybe I should learn. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, I think you'd be a great DJ. And I'm like, I think I would too. I think, I think you're right. I don't know why. <laughs> and so then, you know, some lessons started happening and luckily I had very good teachers who kept me to the basics. You know, we had an RX one, which has a visual, you know, display of this, of the, the waveform signature of the songs. And he's like, you're not allowed to look at this. You're not allowed to lose loops and loops or any of the things you need to. Use oh, your- I like, I like those people already. Yeah here's the structure of the song. I'm going to teach you that. I'm going to teach you, you got number one, how much time is left on the song playing? Cause that's how much time you got to pick another song. Number two, BPM key. And then, and, and, and just EQ mixing, right? So beat matching with the Q button and your headphones. And then with the, with all the levels at midnight. And then when you got a beat match, turn the levels down a bit, slowly bring the volume up. Now both tracks are in on the, on the levels, high uh, full level. And then you start trading the high mids and lows slowly, patiently. That's it. <laughs> That's all you got to do. And you have to get incredibly good at that before you start wanting to, Oh, I want to do echo effect and all this other weird stuff right before a drop. Right? Like that's a lot of pe- friends of mine who, who think that they can DJ, they skipped all the foundational work and they went straight to trying to use loops and all these effects and stuff. And they, they only look at the red lines and they want to match up. It's not. How you well, do it. Yeah. You will. I mean, I, um, I've been DJing for almost 20 years and my beginnings were like technology was not there. You know, like my first gear that I had was literally like two Tupperwares <laughs> where you would stick a CD in and like, the, <laughs> it was like the most basic stuff. It was really hard, but you know, we learned with that. So yeah. Basic. I- but when I, but when I, when I start, when I see 
like younger people or just newer people learning with all these beautiful super advanced machines we have now sometimes i see them just like go around and touch everything and i'm i don't know if, how familiar you're with tennis i'm sure you play tennis of course but yeah. you know, like you know a good tennis player does not move at all oh, right if they're they don't like have one spot <laughs> exactly they're in one spot and they do bam, bam, and they just like do everything from one spot and they do the minimal effort and they knew they know where they need to throw the ball and nothing yeah. happens. And when you see like a beginner player against like an experienced player, they're like running everything and like going everywhere and touching it and like and just like getting exhausted and, and not really hitting the ball at all, not doing what it's a lot of energy to. though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, they're sweating and it's, there's it's, it's a struggle. And like sometimes I see that it's like, dude, like I see like the tennis match, like of or like of a, of an inexperienced player when someone is trying to figure something because they don't take the time to just like breathe. And understand the, the real true basics of like the theory of all this is like okay what i'm actually doing because yes this thing can do a lot of stuff but what is the what is the, the basics like what is the step number one two three mm -hmm. if, if you master the basics then everything else is know, available it's, it, yeah it's available and it's artistry and you know and, and and some and then it's how do you develop your character but if you start with everything around it without knowing the true basics then i mean you you will still get it you know people just spend well, a lot of time doing it but, but it's going to take a lot longer and and it's and you're going to make a lot more mistakes that people are going to hear you make <laughs> because you didn't it's like anything else i mean yeah you can you I, i've yeah djing and layering and mixing tracks relates to every other learn activity i've ever learned jujitsu every any sport as well whether everything um so but then but but then hold on you're you're really like a burning man baby and a dj baby and 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 they were both more or less born at the same time so so all this burning man and dj stuff is like two three years old well so the my first burn was 2017 and i was not i didn't start d i didn't learn how to dj until like two years ago almost two years ago i'm just well, going well, well, the Burning yeah. Man baby, then it's it's unfair. But I mean, it's your it, this past one was your your fourth burn fourth, counting yeah. the renegade. Yeah, fourth counting renegade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and when I in 2017, that exposed me to uh, there were you know the the realization for me, like oh man, you know, music is far more available than what I was holding myself and thinking which was holding me back from getting involved right like you can and and then later it was like uh it was 20 fall of 2019 or fall of 20 i guess fall of yeah fall of 2020 because now we're coming up in two years when i learned and how to use a mixer and bought my own and bought my own pa and then started doing it a lot um and that was that gave me an avenue into being involved with music and it's very it was a very nice way to get involved with music i come from a from a family who everybody had to learn an instrument like music and performance and theater was all a part of my my growing up and i sort of looked at athletics and sports and i didn't see anybody who was really excelling in that anywhere i was like and i also was drawn to it. i was like i want to be a badass athlete so i spent a lot of time doing that but but all the while you know like i bought a couple of guitars here and there like i'm gonna learn never you know I, and when i was even younger i had you know clarinet lessons I, but i never 
grabbed onto it like I did athletics. And then now very recently, all of a sudden, once I learned how to DJ, I was like, oh, there it is. Now I can, now I can, I can get back into that creative outlet, which is, which is with music. Um, but, but also like it, as well. someday I'll, I'll get into it for sure. There's a lot of song, there's a lot of sounds in here that I want to make it into produce tracks and share as well. I just haven't done that yet. There's also something uh, I think that we do may, maybe let's, let's see if you relate to this, but there's something uh, like that's a little rebel in us, you know, when you're a kid and like music is obviously in your family and it's obviously available and, and, and you may even feel as a kid that you have some talent or naturality to it because, you know, it's everywhere and it's like, it's not difficult. Then you may not be that attracted to it as well. Like you see sports, you see athletics that is like, ah, like this is like, nobody does this. It's like, I, like I, you know, that's kind of like, like I think that may be a personality trait, you know, in something that's innate in us, like looking for a challenge. Whereas, like, obviously, if you had been 100% focused in music as a kid, you maybe would be, who knows, Diplo today because... Some I, version of a well-known yeah, probably. Yeah, some version, yeah, exactly. But, but, but your heart actually told you, you know what, like, this is probably always going to be there. We know how to do it. It's accessible. That's yeah. not a problem. Let's try to figure this other thing out. That is yeah. like I have. <laughs> it, it's not our <laughs> natural talent at all. But yeah. we're gonna get really good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm glad that I did because that led me on a whole path of having wonderful experiences. Um, and so I have this wealth of life experience with me now. To share connect with people through playing songs for them and eventually through producing songs for them right whereas i didn't i mean like if i i didn't i think if i i started young with music and, and kept with it i would i would have dramatically improved on several of the skills that are required to be very good at playing and performing music but the the the, the wealth of life experience i would have now would be very different than what it what i have because i wouldn't have had all these other experiences that I did. And, and the reason why I'm very, I love going to Burning Man and I, I very much enjoyed this year with mine warrior is because of my athletic background. And I'm, I participated in endurance sports, racing sports, ultra endurance sports and competitive jujitsu, but in particular, the racing sports and endurance sports, like ultra distance cycling and ultra distance running and, and rowing as well. The training for those, those events requires you to, pursue an understanding and a practice of, of enjoying being uncomfortable, seeking discomfort and being happy about it, which is the opposite of what a lot of our society, how they view discomfort, a lot, a large sect, you know, section or whatever of our, of our global populace looks at discomfort as something to shy away from. We want to make sure that we only are uncomfortable as, as much as only as when we have to be to get to the next everything's cool better experience in life where i'm not like that at all <laughs> uh I, I i seek discomfort and uh i'm comfortable there <laughs> and actually happy enjoy it in a lot of ways i'm not so uh and that's that's led me to to be able to practice new things what you were saying is is really I mean, obviously it resonates a lot with me, right? Um, 
because I also DJ. Um, but I think that once you master the technique and you create your um, collection of music that you want to share with people, one of the most important skills of a DJ is to actually be a true storyteller and actually be able to convey emotion through music. More intentional, and, more aware of what you're conveying, yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, like if, if you, like you cannot tell a story as well if you were not there in the room, you know? So if you are uh, playing music that, talks about certain emotions or, or certain feelings, or you're like trying to uh, connect with that passion so that people can actually feel that music as you are doing it. Like that's where your life experience comes, you know? So it's. And I mean, like I mentioned earlier on, you know, my whole intention is to be in a good mood and share a positive vibe. So what, when I'm DJing, that vibe is amplified i don't exponentially and uh, that's why i believe i always get i get good reviews if you will during and after uh my when i dj um and that that shapes the type of music that I, the sound that i want to share with people as well uh because it's all a quest of of connecting it, this is another thing that i think some djs don't really really understand i mean some some know but may, they don't maybe define it as exact as and specifically as, as I have come to understand. And I was watching my favorite DJ in the world at the time. For the second time, I saw him play live. And who's that? It just hit me. Francesco Del Garda. Oh, he's of course. Italian. Oh, no, he, yeah. plays the, he, he plays the piano while he DJs. He's amazing. He does, yeah, and he's a vinyl guy, and but digital and uh, amazing. The first time I saw him, I didn't know who he was. I just... I just some some friends of mine in San Diego who are all they're you know very 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 a lot of vinyl and minimal right and uh, heads the, those those heads in the industry they invited me to this show with where he was playing in Baja Mexico and I was I just knew I I just said yes I'm, okay I'm going you're inviting me I trust you guys I should probably go to this and he started at 1 a.m. he finished at 10 a.m. in the morning played nine hours and he would have kept playing with the people that the company that rented the equipment came, were there for two extra hours waiting from the stop and he just put the power off <laughs> then then it was over and that was and it was and i learned so much and it was so inspirational and then i had a show that night that i went to and just i you know it was amazing and uh and um but then the next time i saw him which was halloween in la after the mind warrior show it was a sunday night i went and saw him again and i just was looking at him and i felt and how he was studying the crowd and he was he was he plays for the crowd he doesn't necessarily i don't think he necessarily he has an idea of what he's going to play what he's going to do of course as we all do but if something's not working he's changing it for us and what does that mean it means that when you're standing there with that instrument you are you are whether you're aware of or not aware of it or not you are intentionally practicing telepathy and empathy you're getting better at that whether you know it or not and that's how a DJ is able to give the crowd the sound that they didn't even know they wanted. Yeah, and that, well, that's, that's kind of part of the, you know, especially, I mean, it, it is very easy to play for people who are into music and that are kind of like going to, to a certain venue or to see you in particular because they dig you. 
yeah, association uh, you're gonna play yeah yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but then it's also but but then it's the other end of the spectrum it's really really tough to play for people who may not really understand what they're getting into or they are you know there's some people that are just not so much into electronic music but they end up in the venue or you may end up being booked for you know like i, I mean i i do a lot of sailing and regattas and and when when we do regattas in the caribbean uh, i always organize a, like a like a dj party for like the prize giving and then all everybody from the racing boats shows up there and whatnot but then it's also all the locals you know like all the antigua and locals that they listen to their island music and stuff that they're they can be very very strict with the requirements on, on what a, a nice music night is yeah, you know yeah. so you need to kind of have the skill and the the range and the sensitivity to bring them in your pocket you yep. know and kind of like win them over yeah and have them have a good time and then once they're there then you, can you, do can, well, then you can go in and kill and then you know once they once once they trust you but they need to yes. trust you first yeah and sometimes it's really really tough but that you know like those are one of my favorite sets where you're like somewhere that is completely whack like nobody expects you to be there they don't even know who this guy is they don't even <laughs> you're like playing some songs that just like you're putting them out and you can tell right away oof this is not really working right now so you need to reevaluate on the spot and yeah. but you know but conquering that challenge is one of the most magical things to do as a dj and and like the, the way that i started learning and you know people gave me lots of their songs and you know so I, i started learning with with techno and tech house and uh which i i i love that those genres and um uh and then Another another thing is, you know, like the Mayan Warriors, another good example. Like they they definitely had this year they had a I think a more di they definitely had a more diverse collection of genres being played and, and songs being played on that car than I've ever heard. And stuff I thought I would never hear being played on the Mayan, which was cool. But still, and this is eventually I'm probably I probably get, will get an opportunity to play that car, but that'll be by when that happens, it'll be because I know how to take my sound what i what i do but curate it to a mayan warrior set um and i don't have i don't i like some some djs for shows and i also haven't played super big shows as well but some djs will get a playlist they'll dig dig new tracks whatever tracks and they'll practice that set and it'll be very refined and this is the set you're going to get right I don't, I don't do that. I don't know if I ever, I, I will probably do that. I've done versions of that because it's good practice, but I just have two rules when I play for people. One is like, if we're at a, an event where there's lots of DJs, one rule is I'm not going to play the songs we've heard tonight, you know, with the, with the goal, idea in mind, hopefully I'm going to play songs you've never heard. And the other rule is I'm play stuff's going to make you dance. That's, that's dancey. It's going to make, get you moving. And then it, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> So it leaves me very open to to do to to that to that connection with the crowd and and you know like you were saying before there's there's probably always people around that aren't digging maybe what I'm doing but that's not my fault those people probably <laughs> really, those people really box themselves in with what they decided and structured well this is what I like and this, and anything with if, if it fits in here then I might like it 
Uh, otherwise, if it, if I if I get a sound or something that fits outside my box, I'm not going to like it. Well, that's not my fault. But like you also <laughs> said, if I can lure them in with it, like maybe in the middle of my set, I'll, I'll I'll get a track and some sounds going that they do like, and then they trust me, and then I can then their journey starts. Right, that's where that person's journey is going to start, and I can. And this is a responsibility of the DJ too. You have to be kind of responsible. And then I can take them and expose them to new, new, new mixes, new layers, new tracks and sounds that they've never heard, but they like all of a sudden. And now they're like, their box is breaking and opening up. <laughs> you, you, like, you, you may hate to hear this, you and all the aspiring DJs, but sometimes you need to have that one Bad Bunny song that you don't hate that much. And that one, the weekend song that you tolerate or pop song on, on some on some weird remix that you can actually play for when they come like, and then you have the weekends like oh that's what you want okay now you're gonna listen this song of the weekend and then you know that we are friends yeah <laughs> and then and then you can relax and listen to the rest of the set yeah and uh there's also you know i also very i'm a, I, i'm very aware of set and setting so and this was happening at the 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 Grand Sierra Hotel, the GSR Hotel in Reno, where a lot of burners go after the burn and continue partying. But now the set and setting is exceptionally different. We're talking like late, usually it's after hours house party style. You're in a room and people are, whether it's day or night, people are extended. This is essentially after hours. And so I, I played uh, at a few parties at the hotel there. And my whole thing is if it's after hours, it's a house party, playing dancey house music, tech house, because people are already trying not to go to sleep. So you got to give them energy to stay awake. And that, that always works for me. People love it, but then somebody want to go back to back or, you know, go get in whatever. Okay, cool. But then they they just start playing what they like to play with no regard for set and setting in the situation. So example, I was, and these people are nice. The DJs are great. Nice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I got a bad vibe from them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would oh, no, but, don't, but don't, don't, but don't, don't get me started with back to back or people or people trying to jump on the decks. That's, that's, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so, so these, this one guy in particular, cool cat, but we were going back to back. And every time he got on, he would transition and it was, he was pretty good. He's good enough to transition out of what I, my tracks I was playing into this melodic ambient music. And then, and then the dance floor starts to empty out. People start to sit down. I'm like, bro. I, and I, I would say it in a, in a happy, loving way. I'm like, bro, it's a fucking house party, man. <laughs> you got to play, play something with energy. You know, yeah, there's, like, a, there, there's, a time, there's a time for everything, but it's not the time for this thing. Right. <laughs> right. And then, so say if you're a guy, if you're a DJ that, well, my thing is really cool journeys from melod melodic ambient, down tempo, organic house, travel, whatever you want to label the label. That's cool, but now now you have an opportunity to learn and do something different. So take the opportunity, <laughs> see if you can, see if you know how to see if in your library of songs you have songs that will that will keep this vibe going, keep people dancing, keep them awake, keep them happy, keep them talking, whatever. Well, but that's uh, a but that's a that's a very big uh, topic too. You know, it's 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 are you playing for yourself or are you playing for the people that are listening to you and and and, 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 you know, and, and there's and, mostly and when, for you mostly because we're always playing for everybody but well but, but when the magic happens when the real magic happens is when you are playing for yourself and the energy is matched like everybody is with like who you are so but so, sometimes that's not the case and you know and, and sometimes i have friends that, who are playing and say like oh, i don't know like i don't i don't really, i'm not really feeling this i don't really 
I just have like a folder of music here and I'm going to just like be kind of like, no, dude, like, I'm sorry. Like, if that is what you're going to do, like, you need to get off the decks and someone else needs to jump on the decks. Like, like don't don't Spotify this party, you know? Like, don't just say, oh, this is the 7 a.m. Uh, whatever folder that I have for this thing. But if you're not feeling it... Five years ago, maybe, <laughs> or something like, yeah. No, but it's like, but, but sometimes sometimes it happens, especially with these very long parties and, with, you know, like, and then it was like, everybody wants to be a DJ, but they, they only want to have, like, the, the peak time slot you know like like you don't want to open you don't want to do this and, and some people get actually frustrated oh because they they're booking me to be the opener it's like well you know what like the opener is actually just being a an opener. Nice spot. I mean, yeah like if you do if you do a badass job and, and you can shame whoever comes after you maybe when when that guy starts making the, the peak time set and it's a bluff they're they remembering. go to the manager and says like hey can we get that person from earlier back because they were killing it and and these guys and that's that's where i'm at as far as you know getting exposure notoriety is like every time i play and if i'm opening for somebody else who's sort of the the main person going on before them there's a there's a balancing act where i my intention is not to outshine them i actually want to set them up to look good but at the same time i'm not going to allow that to detract from uh, you're setting a vibe you're I'm about a, to bring, you know you're, you're setting a vibe and it's you take it very seriously <laughs> yeah and a friend of mine you know one, one a close friend of mine with the mayan you know he's like oh dude you you know how to mix like yeah you got the skills you know before but before you play the mine in particular or, or any other bigger venue you have to get known for your style and how you know what because because getting booked for big pay gigs they're they're booking these people because they they have a they have a trust and a confidence in what that person's going to bring it may not it's not gonna be the same songs who knows but you're still there they they know what that person's going to bring right and with me i don't have enough of that background behind me yet for that for that that's not available right um and i didn't really understand what my friend said at the time he's like you gotta you know find your style your sound i was like well i like to play everything um and i can still do that but the more the more i play the more a pattern will start to emerge it is it is it, it is 100% it's an energy you know like i i went i went through i went through that kind of crisis at some point you know like many years ago and uh, you know especially when they started to describe um the generous so specifically you know like there was a time where there was like huge uh, like house techno and and chill out there were like three sections on the world but now there's like so many ridiculous sub sub quality like i understand why they do it they're actually trying to make it easier for people to find music that they like so it's okay i don't i don't really use any of those sub to find music anyway but um you know, like like I, I went through all that and it took a long, long time. But then like at some point people would like start like texting me or sending me videos or whatever. It's like, hey, I listen to this song and and and, and it sounds like you or like whatever. So so it's actually like people have, you know, it, it takes a while, you know, it takes years to be just like out there and putting yourself out there and, and creating all these magic moments for people. But eventually people are gonna say like, Hey, I listen to this, and, and it may be a song that you don't even have. It may be a song that you don't even play. You don't even know what it is, but you're gonna listen to it. It's like, 
Oh, actually, this is a very nice song. Thank you so much. That's such a compliment that you listened to this beautiful song and you thought of me and you thought that this is my energy or my sound because yeah. that because that's what they associate with you. Exactly. That word right there, association. That They associate like a feeling of like feeling like that, like feeling good, feeling positive, feeling ener energized, feeling like they're in a nice environment, like, you know, feeling confident, feeling powerful, all that kind of, of stuff. That's what music brings you and they know that when you're in the room and when you're playing the tunes that's what they feel right so if they feel it again they're gonna go back to mm, that exactly. room that person and they're gonna text you it's like dude take this song <laughs> yeah and and for the for until recently you know people would when they find out i'm a dj they ask well what, what do you play what's your genre what's your style and i like I, i tell them what i told you i i have these two rules and i don't know what i don't know how what the words are yet to define what happens when I use those two rules to play a set. But we, I was at the desert air festival in Palm Springs, listening to artists like channel trace and Peggy Gao. And it was a really, it was a really good set, super dancey, super fun, super loving, light, lighthearted. And during, I don't know who was playing. My friend uh, looks at me and he's like, Hey, what, what genre is this? What would you call this? And I was like, before I could answer, he already had an answer. And he goes, pregnancy house. Pregnancy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't he, know. He goes, I, he goes, that's what you play. And I was like, you're right. And, and, and so what did that mean to me? What did that mean? It didn't mean that people were getting like uh, horny or anything and wanted it. It meant to me that, so I play pregnancy house and that's on my SoundCloud now. And what I, it, I, don't, and, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's going to stick, man, but, that, but tell me, I, tell me what it means. <laughs> So the definition, and that's on it's on the SoundCloud as well. The definition is I play a sound that impregnates you with the motivation and the inspiration to dance, move, and create and connect. I, I love I love the definition. We may need to to give a, a spin about <laughs> I, we'll see where it goes, right? But I like it. I like it. I like. Yeah. I, I really. I really like. So now I can say that. And so when people say, "What do you play?" I was like, "I play well, that, house. And I, They're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. That, well, that will grab their attention for sure. But you know, that, there's there's another thing that I've always said: like, never trust a chef that's too skinny or a DJ that doesn't dance. Right. I you love. Know, so it's like, you know, if if that guy cooks, he needs to have a little belly. You know, like <laughs> you like to go, you need to eat. Like I'm sorry, yeah. like. <laughs> And if yeah. you and if you're a good DJ, you need to show me your dance moves. You know? Like I'm sorry. Yeah. Like if you, I mean, there's some people that do it. Like, ah, okay, well, it's a little stiff. I mean, it's good, maybe good for a while, but so let me let me try to just because we're we're just having too much fun on this, and it's gonna end up very long. But but I just I, I just want to bring this one thing out because you just married my very good friend Monica, who's from Spain, and you had a playa wedding, and I just want to hear something about that from you because yeah. you know like like i have been like the first time i went to burning man like very serendipitously like some of my best friends that turned you know into my family and they are like the leaders of the camp where i continue to go to burning man for several years and now they're just like you know Mar marta and thomas they're literally my family they, they got married there they had like all these burning man love story you know and it was amazing and i that that, that was one of the most beautiful experiences that I always remember from, from my first time in Burning Man. So knowing, like, I'm, I'm sorry I missed the ceremony. Burning Man had uh, different plans for, for me. No, we didn't. Uh, I, there's, 
You're one of the you're one of the hundred plus people that I didn't see at Burning Man that I wanted to see <laughs> for sure. But tell me, tell me, tell me something about your wedding because that that's something that I really want to hear about. Yeah. So Monica and I had actually got we we had eloped, I guess is the correct term. So we were we officially were married before that ceremony, but we wanted to, we decided oh we it came to us like oh we we can do a, our wedding at Burning Man it'll you know be great and we planned. For me, it felt like it was it was a little too soon to say, "Hey, I want to do it on the Mayan Warrior." I, I'm sure I could have, but I didn't want to add something like that to their already full plate. And they already had a wedding that they were going to do on the car, and we had a whole other large group of friends that had a, a camp. Uh, and you two, and you two are a lot cooler than the Mayan Warrior. Come on, that's so cheesy. <laughs> it's so cheesy to get married at the Mayan Warrior. <laughs> it's like it's like it's, that's for like Instagrammers. <laughs> yeah. Right. So they have a the, so their camp had a small car, the Cougar art car. It's a Bulgarian um, themed camp, and the Cougar is this. Uh, it's kind of like associated maybe what, what, what we was associate gargoyles. It's sort of like this beast-looking thing, but it's there. It's a protecting. It's a protective entity, and uh, there to to make sure everybody's okay having a good time whatever um and so the, it, and they combined with groundswell which is another bunch of our friends so it was a cougar swell camp and we had it on their car at their camp and you know her and i wrote out all of the things we wanted to say our vows and such and we had uh, a, you know i think six six people that wanted to speak on our behalf so we had all them speak up uh, you know and for for me that was because a, a ceremony and in particular a wedding ceremony is a public show a ritual that takes place uh, of of this we want to share and show some some in some way our and express our love and and our commitment to each other with whoever else wants to witness it right and whether you are aware of this or not you go to burning man because you want to learn about and how to learn about the boundaries and, and things you have and learn how to break them down and get rid of them that are not allowing you to love yourself as much as you want unconditionally and receive unconditional love. And though that's a yin and yang duality to the degree that you're not, that you're doing behaviors that you identify, well, that's, that's evidence. I'm, I'm not loving myself as much uh, is to the same de degree that you're not receiving love. And so people do work either on, they think they're doing it on, cause I want to learn how to receive love better, but at the same time, they're going to love themselves better as well. You can attack, you can approach the problem from either way, front or back. It's the same wall. I'm looking at it from this, this, this side or this side. But once I get the wall down, that pathway is open now. Um, and so the wedding ceremony there was was an opportunity to, to to help everybody do that. You know, we're there sharing our love for them to see, and they're loving, they're loving it, loving what we're doing, and then they're they're sending that same vibe back to us. And so it was very in my in my my mind and heart appropriate that we do that ceremony at burning man and also it's like if you want to have a badass wedding and party all the parties all of a sudden are your party at burning man <laughs> so it doesn't cost you extra money like tuesday the day before the wedding uh was our mind warrior camp meeting and during that meeting uh i was like yeah i'm getting married tomorrow and it's here if anybody wants to come you're all welcome everybody cheers and tonight's my bachelor party i'll make it simple for you at 10 p.m at the mind warrior that's my bachelor party be there <laughs> 
<laughs> and bachelorette party, right? And so, and then after the wedding, up party, we're going here. This is the party. So, so that 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 was super 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 fun, super cool. And another a product of that ceremony, which I didn't actually expect, you know, because the the process of, of a partnership is ongoing, an ongoing practice of trusting each other, getting to know each other more and more. And def- me, but and definitely I noticed this in Monica after the ceremony, a lot of her trust issues, those, those barriers, they just were gone. She had now real reason to, to trust more than she did before in me and in our relationship. So that was super, super beautiful. Wow. Yeah. It is beautiful. I'm just like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what to say for once. It's it Be- just... Before we, before we end, which we'll probably have to stop pretty soon, I, that same Tuesday before I told him about my wedding, it, along the lines of why we all come to Burning Man, why we're here is to you know work on these attachments we may have that are holding us back from loving ourselves and accepting love. I had written a spoken word piece, a, a poem specifically about that and the attachments that we sort of engage in that we then are, delu- are in a delusion that this is bad for us. And we keep with it for too long. We learn them eventually maybe we change. And, uh, it's called you're under a spell and i read that to the whole camp and that was you, the first time i read it you oh, wrote it yeah and i'd love to read it here too so it can be shared more do you have it i have it yeah please do that that's like the perfect end note i would love to hear that i would like it's not super long too so it won't, it won't take much um i'll pull it up and i i love to read it to people out loud because i'm that gives me i'm still memorizing it right it's not yet to a point where i can just say it but it will be eventually um so i'll pull it up here and there it is all right so <clears throat> you ready it's called under a spell yeah you're under a spell okay here we go you're under a spell you're under a spell you're under a spell of constant manipulation, self-perpetuated, driven by willful delusion, you defend what you know makes zero, zero fucking sense. Yet you stay. You stay in cyclic misery, focused only on diminishing collections of repetitive happiness, boring joy, spaced between growing gaps of conflict, an existence made of response and no responsibility. So the void is filled with toxic insincerity. You are not true to yourself. You're under a spell, blindly defending your edifice built on what? Hopes? Wishes, an unattainable resource from a make-believe origin and with no evidence to buy in, you say it exists again and again. So as this part ends, please listen. I love you. I accept you. And brother, sister, lover, friend, there exists a simple way to undo the magical spell being cast on you. Join us in first believing the spell exists. By the time the 100th monkey syndrome takes effect, we move effortlessly into phase, welcoming you back to your home, resonating with truth to yourself. It's uncomfortable to believe you've been deceived. Best not to bother with the who's and why's. Setting up achievable highs quickly, you will elevate where you belong above the sky. Part two. Finally, I'm released, flying above the sky. I've left what once was a nest and became a cage. Self-imprisonment, false enlightenment, coming of age, free to find myself, the one I was, more importantly, moving the future me, who I lost hope, interest to be, while ignorantly abiding by some other people's out-of-date traditional monogamy, equals a toxic monopoly, stagnating me, me, 
Not only able to be just another storyteller of tragedy, tales upon tales laced with trauma-based fables, I forced my true loved ones around me to constant ear beating. Oh, woe is me. For too long, my tribe hears me until for their own emotional safety, they begin a practice of distance from me. They have listened intently. I leave them disturbed and concerned over and over until only their life, until only their absence from my life experience manifests a hope they have for me. They hope I choose to release me. Final part, open again, loving my tribe, our constant vibe, accepting and alive. We don't sleep while we keep each other safe. Acceptance of you embraces me. Judgment-free is how I move into the become empathy with new wisdom, responsibility. Now we know how to stay in flow. So use your discipline, workshop, not worship, to manifest the best next versions, infinite expressions, constant newness, solidifying my awareness. Expansion grows beyond duality, uniting with each other's harmony, creating an everlasting now reality. The new classic sound, a song to heal our abnormality, our learned toxicity, heal with harmony. Wow, All right, well. That's a good one. You're gonna, you're gonna need to send that to me. I, I want to read it. <laughs> I want to, I want to read and interiorize it. And yeah, thank you so I, much. And the plan is to take pieces of that and put it into house music, put it into a producer track, so that I can continue to share that message uh, when I'm DJ too. Well, you know, one of one of the um, one of the magical experiences that I had this year, and I'm. Um, I was planning to to just dedicate a full episode of this podcast to that day that I went on, but I'm just gonna share it now because it it's so connected. I'm, I was coming back from the temple uh, one morning. Um, you know, I ended up in this camp, and all these magical things were happening to me. And you know, I was like finally in a good spot in my mind after a couple of tough days. Uh, just by myself, you know, none of my friends were there. I'm just like meeting new people and getting in all these experiences. And and I'm in this camp and I see like this old burner, you know, he's, he's like a like a 70 something year old guy, like at like eight in the morning or something. He's been up all night and partying and serving drinks at this camp. And he's like literally like on the floor on some kind of hammock, like like kind of like falling down, you know, like and I go and I lay lay down by him. He's like, Hey, what's up? Like, are you okay? And he's like, No, no, yeah, I'm fine. And I, you know, I have been feeling a little twisted and lost and whatnot. And it's just like, listen, you look like a pretty experienced person in life. Like, can you tell me one thing that will make my life better? And he's like, well, actually, and then he recites this long poem that I, I don't, I don't have it on me now, but I will send it to you, which is like basically the burner poem. It's like, it's like a, it's like a full page. Like he just recites out of his head. Nice. And it's so beautiful. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Like, like I can I can only remember like one like one of my favorite sentences is talking about burning money. It's a place where craziness is the right way to be. And and he then takes out a scroll with a little pen and is like, here, this is the poem. I want you to highlight, absorb, understand each line, comment, or whatever you want to do. And then you're going to pass it on to another burner so they can do the same so that this poem and this scroll keeps going down and down and down until it turns into dust. 
That's cool. And he had he had more poems. Like he was like he's a poet, but like he had like so many amazing. But that particular one, I'm gonna send it to you, and 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 for people listening to this, I will read it all and I will share it for everyone because it's unbelievable how powerful it was, how beautiful, how much it helped me in that morning, and how much I'm bringing all that forward. You know, so it's like this this poem that you just shared. Like I, it's I think it's really powerful too. It has so much important insight and i think it's also worth you know reading over and over again and interiorizing and, and getting getting the the juice out of it so that we can use it in our lives it's yeah. it's it's truly it's truly plagia magic you know like it's amazing um you know like i, I think we, we should say by now it's getting dark where you are now already too <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we can wrap it up and i would love to do this again and and there's another uh another subject i'd love to talk about and then and hopefully the future uh the future meeting we have which is um diving into a defining what how what we are uh, as defined by energy in this experience and then how to start to begin to understand first what we are from that perspective and then you get to understand how you can change and manipulate your, your energy and, and 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 that and that's a that's a, that's a very very powerful well um, well well listen like this is like we have a bro date uh we'll set a we'll set a, a, a time for the for the for the second part of this interview this was amazing thank you so much damian um yeah. you know i really i like this was a, a true Burning Man experience in the way that I believe you should go to Burning Man, like with no expectations, just like get get into it, yep, and get yourself in the way of travel, and then magic will happen. And I can tell this was a very magical conversation, and you know, like with the very little time that we have spent together, yeah. I, know I love <laughs> I know, you, right? We've but, hung out once, <laughs> but listen, but you you know that you, you and I are we're gonna hang out more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, my friend. And and yeah, we, we're gonna talk soon and definitely let's find a, a time for, for round two of this. Beautiful. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. I love you back. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.